Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is the Week 15 NFL betting edition. We'll be breaking down our top six spread bets in the Sunday six pack. Then we'll give you our favorite over under of the week. We'll talk teasers. We'll talk money line underdog parlays. We'll talk a little bit of survivor in case you are still alive. And of course, we will start by breaking down the Thursday night football game. But just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, go and download the Action Network app. You can see real-time odds, scores, track your bets, all that in real time, as well as follow experts like myself and the man that's about to join me on the podcast, Mr. Stuckey. So be sure to download the Action Network app if you have not already. Really a a great app just uh, for normal box score tracking and and things of that nature, as well as all the betting uh, features and capabilities. All right, let's get into the Thursday night football preview. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. So for week 15, we have a matchup between the 5-8 New York Jets and the 11-2 Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens favored by 16 points, getting 62% of the bets, 78% of the money. So... The big money still coming in on that spread. The total is 45 and the over getting 63% of the bets, but only 59% of the dollars stuck. What's going on? How was your week? And what do you think of Jets Ravens? What's going on, brother? Another good NFL week. It was made by the the Rams uh, Seahawks game on Sunday night. Rams luckily came through for me. Um, It was another good week, but. You know, we're on to the next, trying to find some winners this week. A trend you'll hear throughout this week is uh, injuries. Uh, trying to keep track of, you and I have been talking about this all week. Trying to keep track of all the injuries this week has been uh, just an added job. You know, it's, I can't believe it's week 15. And I, I don't know how we've got here already, but let's enjoy the games. Even the bad games. Enjoy every game. Enjoy even the Bucks lions of the world uh, while you can on these Sundays. But in, in regards to the Thursday night matchup, it's a, I mean, the spread is high. Look, whenever you see a team catching over 14 points, I always say, okay, can I make a case for this team in the NFL? And I don't know if I can here with the Jets. I really don't. And you know, the, one of the things that I've always said with the Ravens this year is there's a shock factor, right, with their unique offense, with Lamar Jackson. Teams aren't used to seeing him and the Ravens, and they get out and they get a lead. Right? So they'll come out and the Ravens will punch you in the mouth. They're one of the best teams in the NFL in the first quarter. And then they can play their defense how they want to play their defense, which is man up on the outside and blitz everyone. And these are actually two of the heaviest blitzing teams in the NFL. You, know, you have Wake Martindale, loves to blitz just the house at all times. And then you have Greg Williams, who likes to blitz as well. The Ravens' offensive line and their quarterback is a little more equipped to handle the blitz than Sam Darnold and the Jets' offensive line. Sam Darnold's been under pressure 
in over 41% of his dropbacks. That's second in the NFL behind only Daniel Jones, the other New York quarterback. Um, Lamar has only been pressured around 32, 33%. Ronnie Stanley and that offensive line really helps in that regard. And then when under pressure, Darnold's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Lamar's been one of the best. The only quarterback that's been better under pressure this year is your boy, Patty Mahomes. Um, so, you know, I, you know, when you look at this game on the surface, you say the Jets run defense, maybe it can hang against the Ravens and you have, you know, the quad issue for Lamar. He's going to play, but maybe the Ravens pass a little more than usual. Uh, maybe if they get up, they say, all right, let's make sure that we're not running Lamar. This is a short week, um, you know, and they get more conservative once they get a lead. So there's two sides to that. But I don't think the Jets' run defense is as good as it was, you know, just a few weeks ago. Adams, uh, you have Williams, Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams. I mean, they're banged up and their secondary is banged up. The one thing I do trust here is the Ravens' defense. I think the line is about right. I don't think I can justify laying this number. Uh, I would look at the under. Now, if the Ravens come out throwing, they throw all over the Jets, and the short week is going to – it just hurts the Jets here. Not only on their road, they're an inferior team. It's less prep time for Lamar. So I'm looking at the under here, potentially maybe going just with the Jets' team total under, you know, in case of a, a just Ravens scoring in the first four or five possessions like we saw against the Rams. So – that's where I'm at here. Um, this is a big mismatch for the Ravens. You know, it's healthy, the Ravens, and they are scary. They're, they're, it's scary how healthy they are. Um, and I think that they want to get out of here with this game. They want to just get out healthy. So if they have a big lead. You could just see them sit and run the ball even quicker than they normally do. How about you? What do you think here? So I'm with you. I actually wrote up the under in our betting preview for uh, this game, which will be on actionnetwork.com and in the Action Network app by the time you listen to this, and my reasoning was pretty similar. I just don't think, you know, it usually takes two. Now, sometimes the Ravens, as you said, they can lay a big number and, hit and just kind of uh, cover themselves. But usually you need something from the other team. And I just don't see it for the Jets. The Ravens have only allowed one team over the past eight games to even score 20 points, and that was the Patriots, and they scored exactly 20. Um, they have just been lights out on defense. Uh, you mentioned that they're pretty healthy on defense. And the Jets, you know, Brian Griffin, who has been a, a contributor uh, in terms of pass catching, he's out. Bilal Powell, backup running back, is out. You have Demarius Thomas still banged up. So the Jets are thinner than usual on an offense that can't really afford it. Uh, you also have, you know, Kelvin Beecham, uh, offensive, you know, the left tackle. He's, he's banged up as well. So a lot of injuries for the Jets. And then when you flip it over, Lamar obviously going to play, but – didn't, we're a little bit limited in practice, as you mentioned, kind of a game where you want to just get out of there healthy. It just doesn't set up really as a total smash spot for the Ravens, a spot where they run up the score. I think if they have some success, and of course they will, it's Lamar Jackson against the bad team, but if they have some success, I think they'll kind of play it, you know, play it close to the vest, run the ball, get Gus Edwards, Justice Hill involved, and maybe you'll see some Robert Griffin I, I like the under. I got it at 45 and a half. Uh, it looks like it's 45 uh, across the board at, at this point. But I think the under is the play in this game. I, I completely agree. It's Ravens or nothing, but I think you're right on the under look as well. And now it's time for the coach's pep talk. Is it going to be blue chips? Breaking. Our producer, Matt Mitchell, very good at what he does, by the way, as evidenced by the repeated blue chip references on this podcast, because he comes up with these things. I just say him. But today, it's not blue chips. It is one of my favorite shows, The Wire. One of? 
I mean, Sopranos is up there. Mad Men is up there. We're getting off on a little tangent here, but today's Coach's Pep Talk comes to us from the HBO show, The Wire, and it goes out to the New York Jets. It's Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. Now let's get into the main event, the Sunday Six Pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday Six Pack. All right, Stuck took back the weed last week with a, just an odd week. I had two bets push, which sucks in terms of this contest because I don't get any points for, I don't even get a half point for those. But uh, you're up 43-42. You had first pick this week. Who you got? I can't pull away, man. I'm at 40. So through this week, my goal, my aggressive goal was to be at 42 and I'm at 43 and you're at 42. So that should be one hell of a finish. Um, it, was, it wasn't my favorite card, um, especially with all of the injuries. But, you know, I'm going back to something that I always say. I play numbers, not teams. And this is ugly. But I'm for my number two pick this week, I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. Plus one and a half or plus one, whatever it is right now. Against the Rams. When this line came out, it opened four some places, three, three and a half. Cowboys favorite. I said, all right, it's about right. Rams and Cowboys are, you know, pretty close. And now you, you know, add in home field for Dallas. But then apparently, every single person in the world has decided they want to bet the Rams. And, you know, there are reports out in Vegas and in different books that it's nine out of every 10 bets are coming in on the road. So that line has moved drastically. This is a four o'clock national TV game and everyone is betting the Rams, which is crazy to think. Everyone usually is betting Dallas. Now I went on that rant last week about, uh, about Dallas and couldn't play them uh, against the bears because of some of the little things that they've been doing or not doing, which is, you know, the special teams, uh, their special teams have been brutal turnovers, penalties, coaching, play calling, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All these little things that don't necessarily get captured in the box score and are the reason why this team, which has one of the best offenses in the NFL, is six and seven. Now, you can argue, which is crazy, that the, the Cowboys don't have to win this game. It doesn't mean anything to them in a way. Uh, they can lose this, and then they just beat the Eagles and the Redskins, and they win the division, regardless of what else happens. So every week, the Cowboys can just lose, and it doesn't matter. But meanwhile, the Rams, yes, they need to win pretty much to keep their playoff hopes alive. They don't have a shot in the division. They're playing for the wild card. They've been playing a lot better of late. I've bet them the last two weeks against Arizona. I had them big last week against Seattle. But I haven't learned anything new about this team. Their defense is solid. So I, I think last week was more about you know Seattle and some regression. But the Rams always play. We went over this in the pod last week. They always play very well against that Seattle defense. That offense just matches up well. It clicks versus them. But this offense still has a lot of issues. That hasn't changed for me just because they beat the Cardinals and a Seahawks team that they match up well with. And then the Bears, I mean – nothing really has changed with me for the Rams. This is a team that early in the year, you know, if Greg Zerline makes a field goal, they win in Seattle. Um, so I just, I have to take this as my, my two pointer because I, this line is just got, it's, it's crazy. Now at Dallas plus one and a half, you also have extra prep time for Dallas. Maybe that's a bad thing with Jason Garrett. Um, <laughs> they could have cleaned up some things on special teams well, they cleaned up their kicker. He's gone. They got a new kicker. Yeah, the kicker, but new was, kicker, which will significantly help. Um, it's, the, it's the Patriots' old kicker, though, which is you know fair. one of their old kickers. So it's well, probably, yeah, it could, probably it not. It couldn't be worse as where it was where it was going with uh, Mars. They have extra prep time, which you would think only can help. And uh, yeah, I just this Rams team is still flawed to me just because of what they've done the last few weeks. So I'm rolling with the Cowboys here, catching points at home. If this was minus three, um, where we were open, I. I Probably wouldn't bet it. 
but you're giving me four and four and a half points uh, of value now. Uh, I'm taking it. So I'll be against the world and uh, holding my nose back in the Cowboys on Sunday late afternoon. Yeah, it's, you know, it's really you against Jason Garrett because I think you're right. I think on paper, th- there's no way the Rams should be a one-point road favorite. They're not four points better uh, than the Cowboys on a neutral field. But Jason Garrett, and we've talked about this before on the pod, he's now 28-36-2 against the spread in his career, 44% versus winning teams. And uh, in the Prescott era, 10-17, 37%. So it's really you versus Jason Garrett. That, that's all it is at this point. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's what scares me. But this, this is also going back to an old principle of mine in the NFL when betting the NFL on a week-to-week basis, the overreactions mm-hmm. in you know, the most bet-on and watched sport are extreme. And this is a classic example. This is last week, everyone wanted to bet you know, the Cowboys against the Bears. You know, everyone wanted to bet Seattle against the Rams. But now this week, everyone is, has jumped off the Cowboys. The Cowboys stink. I don't want to bet them. And now everyone is on the Rams team, who a couple weeks ago they were saying stinks. So, you know, this is just a classic example. Now you're having the line move drastically. Uh, this is just a buy low, sell high spot that I believe in. Maybe the Cowboys mess it up again uh, with little things again. But uh, I'm willing to back Dallas here. And to your point, I'm looking at the Action Network app right now. LA Dallas is the most bet Sunday game already, even though it's a 425 Eastern start. It's the most bet game where usually you see one of the games on the one o'clock window get the most bets just because people are eager to kind of get some action in. 89% of the tickets backing the Rams as one point favorites. However, only 81% of the money. So that does indicate uh, there's, pro- there's some bigger bets coming in there uh, on the Dallas Cowboys. So just wanted to point that out. Uh, for my first pick, I think there is some uh, letdown potential here for, for the favorite. So going with the Atlanta Falcons, plus 11 at San Francisco. Stuck, you alluded to it a couple minutes ago. There were just injuries galore in week 14. You know, I don't know if everyone, you know, even some of the sharper people I know haven't quite made sense of everything yet. So, but I mean, San Francisco just they got they won the what might go down as the game of the year uh they covered versus a new orleans team that put up 46 on their on their you know up to that point vaunted defense they lost uh richard sherman he's going to be out this game d ford now their, their pass rusher one of their best pass rushers going to be out this game weston richburg their center Cateller tendon out out for the uh year so they, they had some significant injuries in, in this football game Jaquiski Tart, he still uh, looks like he's questionable to, to play this week. They're thin at corner. They just re-signed uh, Dante Johnson. Uh, Kawan Williams is in the concussion protocol. They're slot corner who can also play outside. So they're, San Francisco's down a lot of pieces. And then you look at Atlanta. Atlanta has been a team that, look, they got to win uh, in the uh, Superdome against the Saints. Uh, so this is a team that, uh, you know, is kind of familiar with – you know, like the Saints style. And I, I believe that Dirk Cutter, the, the OC for the, the Falcons, he's going to be able to watch the film and, and kind of look at what the, some of the things the Saints are able to do against that Niners defense, which is now, again, more banged up, and, and, and take some of that, those things away. They don't have Michael Thomas and Drew Brees, but they do still have uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. So uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised here if the Falcons are – pretty competitive in this one and I wouldn't even be surprised if they kind of stole a win in just a, a letdown emotional letdown spot just kind of an ugly uh, egg laying game for San Francisco Kyle Shanahan when his teams have been a favorite they're only four nine and one 
uh, against the spread, 31%. So uh, I like this spot for Atlanta plus 11 uh, in, in a letdown spot for San Francisco. The injury carnage in this game, um, like many, but specifically in this game, is just it's severe. And trying to get a hang, okay, what does this mean for both teams on both sides, especially for the Atlanta offense, it is tough. But the spot is there. You're, you're right in that sweet spot range that you love. Right, that yeah. nine, ten, eleven point dog. So yeah, I can't, I can't argue with you there. For my second pick, I am going back to an old friend, and that friend is the Miami Dolphins, and I'm fading them again. The last two weeks did it successfully, about three weeks in a row. And the last two weeks, I've split, so I've covered the first half. I always split them first half in game, and then Miami's come back to cover the game inexplicably. I still don't know how they did that against Philly, um, but here I think the the team that Dolphins are playing the Giants are cheap once again at only minus three and a half. I'll be splitting it between, you know, first half and game. Uh, I think the Giants are significantly better. Uh, they have a significantly better roster. We've already talked about, um, you know, the, 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 the Dolphins just, I know he's huge in the fantasy community. What does people call Laird, Laird, or Laird or whatever? You know, maybe he's better than what they had, but they, they cannot run the ball. The Giants' secondary is not necessarily a strength, and they are dealing with some injuries. But it's just – and look, the Miami receiving core is also dealing with some injuries. We don't know the status of Devontae Parker. It's big. That's and, big. Yeah. And he's been huge. And by the way, I think this Giants' defensive line, which can stop the run, um, they're, they're going to get pressure uh, on Fitzpatrick. I think they're going to dominate this just this sad, sad Miami offensive line. And on the other side of the ball, you should get a healthier Giants offense now. You, know, you should see Tate back. You should, you could potentially see Ingram back. And I don't care who plays quarterback. The difference to me between Eli and Daniel Jones is marginal at best. Um, you know, Daniel Jones has a little more raw talent right now um, as far as running the ball. He can bring a little more to the table, but he also is giving the ball away at will. Uh, so there's some things to like about both of them. Just if you know, it was announced that Jones goes, and I think it's going to be Eli. You know, if Jones goes, I wouldn't move the line. And, or if Eli goes. So, you know, some people say it's one point. Some people say it's a half. I, it doesn't matter to me. Eli looked fine enough last week. The Giants were still trying. By the way, it would just be right in the universe for Eli to win this game because I believe he's one game under 500 for his career. And Eli needs to finish as the playoff GOAT as, with a 500 overall record, you know, similar to Joe Flacco. But I just think the Giants are, are they're not just a half point better than the Dolphins. And I, I can tell you that if you just look at these rosters. So I, I like the Giants here. I think they're cheap again against the Dolphins. So I'm willing to throw my money up against Miami. Yeah, they, they're significantly more talented. And I think that Devontae Parker uh, concussion looms large because if he's not out there, that kind of changes things for the Miami offense, which essentially had been getting by by just Fitzpatrick chucking it to Parker and Parker putting up, you know, 100 yards here, two TDs there. So uh, Isaiah Ford had a pretty big game, but, you know, Alan Hearns not really a difference maker at this point in his career. Uh, so Dolphins would be at a significant disadvantage uh, in the past game to where I don't know if they could come back as effectively uh, as they have been. So, yeah, I can't, I can't argue with that one either, uh, even though Miami has uh, been kind of surprising people a little bit lately. And, and crazily enough has the better record, which I think is probably why there's value on the Giants here. For my second pick, I am going – with another one of these sweet spot teams, the Denver Broncos, nine and a half point underdogs uh, at Kansas City. And this is pretty off brand for me because I'm usually fading the Broncos and uh, backing the Chiefs, you know, in certain spots here and there. They're usually overvalued, but nine to 10 point underdogs, first of all, just get it off out of here right off that the bat. That is on brand. 
Yeah, that is on brand. So tweeted about this, uh, fired off a couple screenshots from the Action app uh, the other night, Monday Night Football, because the Giants were, were also nine and a half. Uh, I think they closed at nine or nine and a half, I forget. But um, in that sweet spot range, and since 2015, uh, according to our Bet Labs database, nine to 10 point underdogs, 42, nine and two against the spread, 82.4%. Still a relatively small sample. Yes, we're truncating it at 2015. It's not quite as good if you go back uh, further. Still profitable, but uh, it's just one of those spots where it's, it's number one, it's just tougher. Uh, it's a tough cover when you have a team that's not like just a total, like sometimes you get these total mismatches like Ravens-Jets where it's like, okay, it's 16 and it, it, you know, you're probably expecting the, the, the favorite to, to, to win by at least two touchdowns. But that nine to 10 point sweet spot means – one team is better, but they're not quite significantly better to where it's a lock, and, and those spots are just tough to cover. Um, and then that's, the Broncos. That's how I explain it to people, too. People are like, yeah. well, it's random 9 to 10 to 11, right? Like, why don't you cut 14 to 6, 15 to 16? And when there are spreads that are over 17 that we slice that up, too. But it's we always I always say, and you said as well, it's very difficult to cover double digits in the NFL. Teams don't run up the score, right, once that you're up, they're up. 10 or 14, then, you know, you're just going to sit on the ball. You just secure the win. You also, a lot of times are playing competent quarterbacks. You can get in the back door against a prevent defense. And, you know, so that nine to 11 sums up a lot of those with, while removing what you just said, a complete mismatch on paper where the line is 14, 16, 17. And you might not be playing a competent quarterback. You might not be able to get in the back door and the, you know, the, the spread, you might be down 21, 24. You might have a backup quarterback in there. I think that's why it is the sweet spot. I, I do want to point out that like, I am not one of those people who just kind of blindly bets trends. I, I like when a trend kind of supports a pick I already like it because that's kind of what we're doing in betting. We're trying to maximize our edge. So if there's a spot I al already like for matchup reasons, on-field reasons, and then on top of that, you know, history has kind of told us that, you know, hey, be on the alert. These spots are where uh, th there's an edge. I like that. So, um, yeah, I would never blindly bet anything, um, you know, just for the record, but this has been an amazing spot, one of the best spots for uh, if you're a sharp better uh, to, to kind of look out for because I think if you're a casual better and you're kind of newer to the show or newer to betting, um, one thing we should point out is that casual bettors tend to, to pick favorites and they tend to pick overs. And so uh, those are usually overvalued. And as a result, you get uh, more value more often than not on the underdog and the under. Now, that's not a blanket statement. Um, there are spots where you, you like the opposite, but just generally speaking, uh, you should be on the lookout for spreads uh, just like this one. So, so back to the, the matchup at hand. Uh, Denver, in this case, when you you're getting uh, nine and a half points, the variance and the unknown factor works in your favor. We don't know exactly if Drew Locke really truly is a competent quarterback. I mean, that he, they beat the, the Houston Texans, whose defense is really bad now without J.J. Uh, Watt, and of course they traded County to Seattle earlier in the year so you can't really look at those 38 points they put up in that game and say oh my god Drew Locke has has arrived or, or anything like that I think that Houston defense is surprisingly bad and I know we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit but uh, at the same time you know they are 2-0 with Locke they are covering the spread by an average of 14.8 points per game uh, in those two games and uh, at the same time, you know, their, their defense is pretty solid. They're, they're 10th in weighted DVOA, which just weights the uh, more recent games a little more heavily. So it, this is not a total mismatch or a, a, a total spot where, uh, you know, Kansas City just has – it's not like the Raiders, I guess I should say, because that was one of the spots where I, I, I backed KC and went against a 9-10 to 10 point 
you know, trend and it actually worked out. So uh, again, don't blind bet anything, but I, I like this spot for Denver. I think they could kind of hang in the game and uh, Drew Locke in, in that offense, Cortland Sutton's been balling. Uh, hope Noah Fant can go to the tight end because I think that is, uh, that's going to be key to kind of exploiting that Spagnola defense that's been really good at funneling action, you know, away from the perimeter and not getting beat uh, on the outside or deep down the field. I think Fant would make a difference in this game, uh, even though Denver is pretty deep at tight end uh, behind him. I, I think he's the, the guy that makes a difference athletically. Um, so, so looking out for that, but uh, still like this spot for Denver regardless. I think they're just a tough team. Uh, to, to beat a tough team to pull away from. I mean, they also played Minnesota close, uh, lost by only four, uh, with Brandon Allen. So, so like Denver to hang around in this game uh, at plus nine and a half in KC. I would see if it's, if anyone's out there listening, see if a 10 pops. But uh, at nine and a half, yeah, I think that's the spot. Um, I like the matchup. You bring up a great point. I feel like I'm, I say this going through every game, but Fant down the seam and his catching ability, if he can play, I think it will be and add a boost to the Denver offense. Um, but, yeah, I think they can keep this close here. You have, do you have any intel on Mahomes? I mean, I know that he's, he's going to play, and, but he's, he's just dealing with nagging this and nagging all that. All the time. Um, all the time, it seems like. He, it's, it's been like all season he's been dealing with. And this is another reason why we're looking for these underdog spots because there's always going to be regression to the mean, not just in, for no reason, but a lot of times you say it's just randomness. But it really is just – you know, things like injury rates in, the, in themselves, you know, you can't stay healthy forever. And sometimes you just get, it is a bit of luck where it's kind of calculated luck where, Hey, you might benefit from a guy like Patrick Mahomes banging his hand in the game and that, that make it tough for them, for them to cover. So um, I don't think, I don't have any specific Intel. I know he's just a little, um, you know, the hand is not like, it's not a hundred percent, but just like Lamar, he's going to be out there. Looks like Jameis Winston's going to be out there for the books. Buck. So I think these are, pretty much non-issues, did an injury study for fantasy a couple of years ago where I looked at how players perform versus when they're on the injury report versus off in a given week. And quarterbacks was the only of the skill positions where it really had no effect. Essentially, if a quarterback's healthy enough to play in a game, um, they're usually, it's usually not going to impact the bottom line uh, stats. Like it can impact them in a specific situation, obviously, as we've seen uh, throughout the year with Mahomes. But um, as far as going into the game, I don't think it's giving Denver any added edge. Well, I think that's a natural transition into my third pick, which is the Detroit Lions plus three, plus three and a half. Where, where, where is this line sitting right still, now? I think it's still sitting at three and a half. Uh, the D- Detroit Lions plus three and a half. I still like it at three, obviously. Look, this is something that we talk about with trends in that Jameis Winston as a favorite. He's six, 13, and one against the spread as a favorite not covering by an average of three points per game. The only quarterback, active quarterback, that's less profitable than Jameis Winston uh, is, can you guess? Derek Carr, maybe? He's up there, but it's Phillip. Your man, Phillip. Uh, oh, yeah. How could I forget him? Oh, my God. Who was exasperated Phillip. <laughs> talking trash and then apologizing and then saw Keenan Allen and then continued to talk trash, uh, which was one of the oddest interactions I've ever seen. We, we generally like to fade as a favorite, right? He's going to turn the ball over a couple times. Uh, and now, you know, you said with an injury that with, with quarterback injuries overall, it might not have a huge impact, but you're talking about a guy with a fracture and a thumb in his throwing hand. So maybe that, that adds to another fumble, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe it makes it more accurate, <laughs> maybe it does, but maybe no, I, mean, I would imagine his grip is good. Um, so a ball gets swatted out. Um, yeah. But basically what this, comes down, uh, what this comes down to is 
by the way, again, injuries on both sides. You have no Marvin Jones now for the Lions. Uh, mm-hmm. You have Derek Blau, obviously, a quarterback. Their running backs are banged up. Can't really run against the Bucks. Lions, um, they've been a, they showed flashes the last couple of weeks, but they're not a running team. Um, and you don't have Evans, Mike Evans, for Tampa. So if, when you look at it, I'll take – and Blau looked awful last week. You know, he was, looked okay against the Bears in his first start. He was not good last week, but that's in Minnesota in his first road start. He was serviceable enough in Detroit. I will take the Detroit receivers overall compared to the Bucks receivers. But more importantly, I'll take the Detroit secondary, and I'm going to butcher his name. Oru Warrior, I forget. He went to Penn State, rookie corner, fifth-round draft pick. He's even getting run with – Rashawn Melvin back healthy. But you still have Darius Slay. You have Justin Coleman in the slot. I like this secondary. They have one receiver really to worry about. I mean, you don't have to worry about Rashad Perryman. So James will turn the ball over a couple times. But basically, the Bucs don't deserve to be a three-and-a-half-point favorite here in this game. You know, it, I think it goes can go either way. I would take the three, but especially with three in the hook. Give me Detroit here at home and uh, in Blau we trust. Usually, you're looking at the over when these two teams play because their defenses haven't been good. But uh, I'm with you. I think Detroit is improving with uh, Aurorier at corner. Uh, and uh, Tampa Bay also quietly improving as well. I think I mentioned last week they were kind of like middle of the pack now uh, in defense. And uh, they've been better in the secondary since they released Vernon Hargraves. Go figure. So I, I like the under in this one. Uh, as well and you know uh, unders generally benefit the underdog just because it's harder to pull away uh you know when you see fewer points so i just thought i would point that out it's not pretty but uh i just think there's some value with a number at home fading james is a uh, road favorite which rarely happens only happened two other times in his career all right let's go into uh my final pick which another one kind of off brand here this is this one is actually straight up off brand it's a favorite and it's against the Arizona Cardinals, and it's the Cleveland Browns. Wow. <laughs> you called it Armageddon, and I would have slack. The end of the world as we know it. This is shocking. I said to myself, is Raybon going to pick Arizona here? All right, they're a home dog. It's against the Browns. I was like, there's a really good shot here. We're going to get Arizona play. And then, boom, Cleveland. So this might actually be, we might not get to 2020. This might (laughs) signify the end of the world. Uh, Explain yourself. I can't believe you're going Cleveland here. This is the definition of off-brand. Yeah, it's off-brand. And, you know, this is, it's funny because we do these podcasts just like the, uh, uh, the Fantasy Flex, which comes out on Wednesday, we record on Tuesday. It's kind of, a lot of times you guys out there listening get to kind of hear our introduction to the week, like, and, and us really doing our, our deep dives as we're kind of talking through some of these things. So there was a lull between when we did our picks and like my final pick, which was the Cleveland Browns. There was a good amount of time as I was kind of digging into some things because, you know, st- you know getting started on, on the research for the week. You know, Arizona, they're in like a purgatory is, my, is the best way I can explain it, where their best players are not actually good. Patrick Peterson has not been good this year. He's been one of PFF's lowest rated corners. He's given up a ton of production. They're not even using him in shadow cover. David Johnson has been a complete bust at running back. Uh, so now they have this pseudo three-headed backfield that they tried last game, where really it was just Chase Edmonds doing a fake punt, and it was David Johnson catching a touchdown, and it seemed like more of a committee than it really was. But they beat... The Bengals, who are 1-12 by three points. They beat 
the Giants, who are two and eleven, uh, by, by six points, and then they beat the the Falcons mid, amid, uh, you know, Dan Quinn. Oh my God, he's getting fired. The season's over. Like right in the middle of their tailspin, they beat the Falcons by one point, and they tie the Lions, who are three nine and and one. So if a, if the schedule breaks differently, if it's not a year where they play those four teams, they could conceivably be zero and thirteen right now, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, sometimes when you watch them, like you see their final scores and you say, okay, maybe it's a good idea, but, and they have been decent against the spread this year. I believe they're seven, five and one, but as a short favorite for Cleveland, this is a spot where you, I think you want to bet against Arizona because I just don't think they're capable of beating average or better teams. And I think Cleveland, while certainly has had its struggles this year, even some of their losses from earlier in the year don't look quite as bad right now. Like their their loss to Tennessee doesn't look quite as bad considering how well Tennessee's been playing. Denver, a tough team to beat. Uh, San Francisco has been, that's not the only team that, that they rolled uh, 31 to three like that. So Cleveland, I think they're, they're a solid team average, maybe a little above average uh, in terms of talent, but, but the coaching can bring them down at times. Uh, but I think they have enough uh, on offense against a bad Arizona defense, especially pass defense. You, you talked about it in our Slack. They have nobody playing well in the secondary. Byron Murphy, their, their, their high draft pick, has been one of the worst-rated corners in PFF, as has Patrick Peterson, who's supposed to be their, one of their best corners in the league. Uh, they, can't, they haven't been able to cover tight ends most weeks. Like Cleveland's better than Pittsburgh. Um, I think you bet on Cleveland against Pittsburgh the first time. I think then you bet the other way. But either way, like this is not Pittsburgh. Uh, this is a better team than that, in my opinion. Also, who knows what's going on? This is their third straight home game, but hasn't really been a home field advantage for them. Uh, we saw all the terrible towels out uh, in Arizona last week. You said that I'm – it's me versus Jason Garrett. Yeah. Well, it's you versus Freddie, Freddie. Kitchens here. Ugh. And, the, and the, will the Browns pull a Browns – and, you know, just have an undisciplined, turnover-filled, red zone-failed, you know, type game. And hey, that's really what you're betting against, right? You know what that sounds like, though? You know what red zone failures and just mistake-filled game sounds like? The Arizona Cowboys. Cardinal offense for, like, three, three and a half quarters of the game. Of every yeah. game. Like, there are times – and, like, Kyler Murray overall, the numbers have been good. And I think he's generally – he's shown his flashes and he's been playing well for the most yeah, He's going to be fine. Yeah, I think he's going to be He'll fine. He'll be fine, yeah. But I will say this. There were just times – and I, it's funny because we actually did see this uh, with Russell Wilson early in his career at times. But there are just times when it's just – they're just inexplicable uh, just gaffes by the Cardinal offense. And it's, at times it looks like they're, they're, they're trying to pick up first downs by going sideways uh, rather than straight ahead. And no one, on the, no one on the offense is really explosive at all. Like David Johnson always looks like the slowest player on the field. They're playing like Demir Bird just to get speed. He's like a he should be a a like a replacement level return man. He shouldn't be a receiver. Farrow Cooper is is their number three like their legitimate number three receiver. So against a team with more talent, just get short favorite, not even a three. Uh, give me give me the Browns there. There's a lot of things not to like uh, about this Cardinals team. And look, I didn't end up backing them in the classic Tomlin spot, the Tomlin fade spot. That's how little I think of Arizona. They ended up losing that game to Duck in, in just the sleepiest spot for the Steelers. So I think that says a lot about where this Cardinals team is. Uh, I can tell you I won't be on the Cardinals. I've held up my word and not backed Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury. Not going to change now. They, they are, like I said, they're 7-5-1 against the spread, so they've had spots. But again, they've played three, four of the worst teams in the league, so that explains uh, a lot of that. That wraps it up for our against the spread picks. Uh, Stuck has Giants th- minus 3.5. 
against the Dolphins, Cowboys plus one against the Rams, and Lions plus three and a half against the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm rolling with Falcons plus 11 at San Fran, the Broncos plus nine and a half at KC, and the Browns as two and a half point favorites uh, in Arizona. Now let's get into our favorite over-under of the week. So I'll go first here. I'm going with, and this is funny because you actually, you know, pretty much called me out on predicting that I would choose this one before I even did it. This uh, one is on brand. This is on yeah, brand. Philly, Washington has all of the things you look for in, in an under. It, it's 40 right now. It'll probably go down. Uh, it'll probably drop to 39 because the sharp, the, the bigger bets are coming in here uh, on the under. But number one, you have, you just have, okay, the, the late season divisional under aspect of it, even though there is not quite as much familiarity with uh, no Gruden and, and Callahan instead. But you also have the Redskins, one of the run heaviest teams since Callahan took over, fifth most, fifth highest run rate uh, at 47%. You have Dwayne Haskins, who just keeps getting sacked, 14% sack rate, league worst. That means his net yards per pass attempt is 4.23, which is also league worst. That's exactly what you're looking for. Uh, inefficient drives that don't get anywhere fast and can get killed by sacks on one side, and, the, and a run-heavy team anyway. And then you look over to the other side, and Washington top five in pressure rate. Uh, Eagles, decent offensive line in general, but without Lane Johnson, who grades out as a number one tackle in pro football focus, just grades. And they have no Alshon Jeffrey. They have uh, no explosion on offense in general. They haven't scored a touchdown of more than 25 yards on offense since week eight. You just have all these kind of factors that, again, I'm just kind of playing, taking that value with these injuries here. Here's a, here's a crazy stat. Darius Geis has accounted for 37% of Washington's offensive touchdowns since week seven. He didn't get activated off the IR till week 11. <laughs> pretty shocking. And now he's out. So yeah, now he's out. He, and he provides, <laughs> this is a team that wants to just run the ball. They're going to, that's what they're going to do. Um, and Geis was like their, their potential big hitter, right? Now they don't have that. This is, I've said this before, that the slowest team in the NFL, they are by far, uh, they're 32nd in the league in pace in neutral situations. This is just a, a snail. The Eagles also aren't fast. They play pretty slow. So you have that working in your favor. Divisional unders. I mean, yeah, and this Eagles offense now with all the, the receivers on the outside, I mean, it's hard to watch. It really is. It's, it's, a, it's painful. Uh, you know, I think you'll have the Redskins just trying to run the ball, bleeding clock. Uh, the Eagles, look, they're probably going to struggle to win this game. I completely agree with you. I'm going to be on that under as well. As we've done the past few weeks, we are running a new Fade Revel promotion with our friends at PointsBet Sportsbook. This week, our colleague Darren Revel is taking the Washington Redskins as four-and-a-half-point underdogs at home versus the Philadelphia Eagles, and PointsBet is boosting the odds on Philly minus 4.5 to plus 115 juice. Personally, I think Ravel is actually right on this one. The Redskins probably are the sharp side, but those are pretty good odds on Philly, and it's always good to fade Darren Ravel. So if you're interested in fading Darren Ravel this week and betting on the Philadelphia Eagles to cover, just follow the link in the episode description for more details. All right, for my favorite total of the week, I'm going with the Titans-Texans over 50. Uh, I, think, I think this line is going to rise, so if you're listening – and you see it under 51, I would get it on it if you like to follow my picks or like it yourself because 51 is obviously a key number here in the totals market. I'm a converted believer in Tana Thrill, Ryan Tannehill, and this offense right now. 
it's explosive. Since he's been the starter, it's been one of the best offenses in the NFL. Now, they've benefited from a couple breaks in a couple games. You know, Henry is a little banged up, but he's been the key to this entire offense. Earlier in the year, too, the offensive line wasn't playing great, but they were dealing with some injuries. A couple guys were coming back for some injuries. You had Taylor Luan, who was suspended. Um, you know, Roger Saffold coming over, who was one of the best guards in the NFL. He's now getting back up. He's getting into speed. He's now getting into this offense. So the offensive line has been much better. Tannehill is just He's been amazing. Uh, there's no other way to put it. He's getting rid of the ball quicker, too, than Mariota was. And so I believe in this offense against the Texans' defense. You know, we talk about injuries a lot. And, you know, the Ravens are playing really well, and they, they're the one seed in the AFC. A lot of that is because they don't have any injuries. The Patriots have had a number of injuries. So I think that despite some of their run JJ numbers on defense, which aren't the worst in the world, but that's with set in there for a good portion of the season. So I think that Henry's going to have some success. They're going to get pushed on the offense. I mean, this just this Texans defense is really bad. Um, and then the other side of the ball, you have a Titans defense. I like the front seven of the Titans defense. I've talked about their defensive line multiple times, especially with the addition of Jeffrey Simmons. But I do think that they can throw the ball against the secondary that's really beat up. Um, it's pretty much, you know, from their starting secondary to start the year, it's pretty much just Logan Ryan left. If you think Logan Ryan is going to cover DeAndre Hopkins, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not happening. You have Fuller. Will Fuller could also come back for the Texans, which would help. But I think that these the Texans secondary, you have, I think, Ty Smith has been starting. This is a cast-off. I mean, and he has great peripheral numbers in a couple starts. I am not, not a believer in, in Ty Smith all of a sudden being a elite corner. So I think Watson will have a big day throwing through the air uh, with his receivers against this secondary, which I think – is going to be – I mean, look, you have a Dory Jackson who's been hurt now. LaShawn Sims has been hurt. So I think that the secondary is going to be the biggest question mark for Tennessee going forward. I think this ends up being a shootout. I like the over. One thing I always like to look for in defenses is how they defend uh, over the middle of the field in pass defense because uh, if you look at football outsiders DVOA, and DVOA is essentially just defensive adjusted value over average, which is how, how much is a play – impacting your odds of winning or losing the game you know how many how much is a play kind of improving your chances and passing plays over the middle are are net plus 12.7 percent more efficient than the league average well is when going to the left or the right side it's negative so you have to kind of pick your spot so if you can't defend the middle uh that's the mark of a really poor defense and the houston texans are number 32 defending the middle of the field in pass defense uh, DVOA, which is adjusted for strength of schedule as well. Uh, and, and you look at who's number one, and it's the New England Patriots. And, and, and you can kind of see that, you know, we think of the Patriots as, you know, the outside corner shutting people down, but it's also being able to, to run with guys over the middle and make sure that you can't just get easy first downs in your line of sight and, and, and stay on your first read and, and just have a guy running open right across your, your eyesight. So uh, the Houston Texans have been abysmal at the at the middle of the field, and I think that that plays right into what the Titans want to do. You know, they'll use all their tight ends. They'll use uh, AJ Brown. I think he's made a really not just Tannehill, but AJ Brown has made a huge difference. Tannehill's start coincide with uh, pretty much coincide with Brown going from a guy running about 65 percent of the routes to a guy running a route on pretty much every down, every pass play now. So he's also made a huge difference and broken out over this latter part of the year. So. Yeah, I think, I think we'll see some points. Uh, obviously, the Henry situation is one uh, to monitor. All right, so there you have it, our over-under segment. I'm going with Eagles, Redskins under 40, stuck going with 
Texans Titans over 50. Now let's get into our weekly teaser segment. Oh yeah. Six point teasers. Here we each pick a 6.2 team teaser, which is essentially you're getting six extra points for each team you pick to cover the spread with in exchange for a slightly reduced payout. And you can start us off this week stuck. Uh, Which two teams are you teasing? Yeah, I think that this week, there's actually a lot of good teaser options. Uh, Keep in mind, you have, I'll probably end up throwing the Chargers in as a dog. You know, it's a long teaser. I've written about them a lot on actionnetwork.com and the Action app. It's basically when you can tease seven and a half, eight, eight and a half point favorite down under a field goal and, you know, a one and a half to two and a half point underdog up over a touchdown. So you have that here with the Chargers. And keep in mind that Philip Rivers in his career as a dog, by the way, he's pretty good as a dog. I mean, this is marginal dog. It's plus two and a half. He's like 57% career against spread as a dog. But if you tease him six points as a dog, he's about 82%. And that clearly covers the hurdle rate, which you need the break even rate on a teaser, um, which is uh, you know below 75%. Uh, so, look, it's just classic Rivers. Rivers will have the ball. He'll be down by six, and they'll lose late. So the, I think the Chargers are a good teaser piece here on a team that is better than their record now because their defense is a lot healthier now than it has been all year. So, yes. you know, if they still care and they still try, that defense went through a lot early in the year. I mean, it was a decimated unit um, that had injuries on every level. Well, now it's a healthy defense. Um, so you'll see that. They're, you can't look at their to, in, their defensive numbers in totality and draw any conclusions for what they will look like the rest of the year, in my opinion. Uh, so they're a good teaser piece. But I'm going to go here with the Raiders teasing them down from six and a half to a half. Last home game ever in Oakland. But main, I don't care about that. Uh, Jacobs will play. He didn't last week. So that will obviously help against a Jags team that's dead. That's really what this bet is on. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, Called this it a few weeks ago. team. The effort's not there. It's hard for me to put a team on a do not bet list. The NFL, I tweeted this out. The Jags are almost right there. They have their since November 1st, they lost by 23, 20, 22, 17, and 35. Who's the only I mean, they've played their division, the Bucks and the Chargers. They're not playing, you know, a murderer's row. They played the winnable games. All, all winnable games. Yeah. Yeah. So this team's bad. So, uh, and then in regards to the bills, it's simple. I'm teasing them up above the seven in a game um, that should be lower scoring. Although I wrote up on the action app why I grabbed some 36 and a half on the over, uh, but I wouldn't take the over at 37, 37 and a half. Go check out our uh, early, early week piece on that, but it should be lower scoring. Um, I think the bills are the better team here. So catching over seven, I'm rolling with it. So bills and Raiders. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the, the Bills. I think this it's a coin flip game. It's a game where the Bills can actually match a lot of what the Steelers do well. It's probably at this point, I would say, have uh, you know, a better offense. You know, although Deontay Johnson came on strong last week, I, the Bills are kind of further along in their process with their, with their young, raw uh, quarterback. So uh, do like the Bills in this spot and teasing them up to plus eight and uh, teasing Seattle down to a pick. Uh, think that Seattle is a little bit vulnerable, but this Panthers team haven't, hasn't been playing quite as well uh, on defense after a really hot start. And I think this is a spot where Seattle knows they still need to uh, you know, play for, for playoffs and playoff seating and whatnot. I think they'll kind of come out 
uh, strong against a Panther team that their their run defense is really bad as well. And Seattle is going to feed it to Chris Carson. We know that's what they want to do. And the Panthers haven't been able to stop anyone uh, on the ground. So like Seattle to win the game, don't know if they cover six on the road, but uh, like them as a pick. So going with Seattle along with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I mean, I really like that call in Seattle. I mean, they're this team's still overvalued. Um, we don't know if Carolina has quit or what's going on with their new coach, but this line is a little high as you yeah. would expect it to be. But, you know, I mean, you, Gerald McCoy also didn't practice again today. He might not play. And without him, you know, they've already lost short. They've lost all these guys in the middle that were, you know, their, their beef. And their run defense was bad already. We've been over this. They transitioned to a 3-4. They're trying to get more of a pass rush. So Seattle can go in here and they can just pound it. And then you're going to have Wilson making plays. So line inflated. Seattle should find a way to get this win, which is uh, why I think it's a good teaser piece. Agree with you there. Let's go to our underdog money line parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. I'll start us off. I'm going with the, the the Buffalo Bills here as well for my money line pick. I think this is again a winnable game for Buffalo, who is a very similar team to Pittsburgh. Pretty well coached, uh, you know, hard nosed team. You expect them to show up every week, so you don't mind them going uh, on the road. And think their offense at this point is a little more capable. Uh, than Pittsburgh's both teams very good on defense so yeah not expecting a lot of points at all but I just don't know necessarily if I'm at a point where Pittsburgh should be favored against what I think is a legitimately good NFL team with with Doug Hodges at quarterback I'm not there yet I think uh, I think Buffalo perfectly capable of stealing one in Pittsburgh Yeah, yeah. Keep in mind that Bills—they showed last week they're going to play with pace, but the, the Steelers are a complete snail on offense. And I, yeah, I don't necessarily believe in their offense either. For mine, I'm going with the Cowboys. I already mentioned it. Look, I make them a favorite. They're an underdog. That's why I'm taking them. That's why I'm taking them here as well. Um, this is still a really good offense. You got some extra prep. Buy low, sell high. Everything I said before. Uh, it's risky. Rolling with Jason Garrett again, Dallas. I mean, they got to get a win versus a winning team at some point. Maybe this is the week. Maybe this is the week. Uh, all right. <clears throat> so that does it for our underdog money line parlay. Now let's go to the best of the rest, which are the games that didn't make it into any other segment. We got a handful of games here, starting with after beating Jason Garrett and the Cowboys, the 7-6 and six Chicago Bears going to Lambeau to face the 10-3 and three Packers. Cold December game in Lambeau. Packers favored four and a half, over under 40 and a half, and probably going lower. Uh, 51% of the public is on Chicago, but only 37% of the money is on Chicago and 60% of the public on the over, but only 38% of the money. So we're seeing some kind of sharp square disagreement here with this, with the size and the total. Yeah, I would look at, I think you're getting Green Bay finally cheap here. I'm not a believer in what the Bears have been doing or Mitch Bortles has been doing as any loyal listeners to this podcast know he has good games randomly against bad defenses. Um, and that's all this has been. Go back to the Rams game. They were still atrocious. This offense is still atrocious. They even have, now they have injuries on the outside, but I'm like their fifth tight end. Their offensive line is bad, you know, and it's not a team that I, I think is going to go in there and could just pound away at green Bay and expose their run defense. So, you know, this is le- just last week. You have Dallas minus three at Chicago. Everyone wants to bet Dallas. Now you have, 
Green Bay is only minus four or five at home against the Bears. Seems like an overreaction because Green Bay had a close win last week against Washington and Dallas and, you know, the Bears pulled off that win. Aaron Rodgers has owned the Bears, by the way. He's 16 or 17 and 7 against the spread. Um, I do cannot see Mitch Trubisky going up here and getting this win. I think there's a little value on on the Packers at home here and a huge game, by the way. Now, I do have to respect the market. Sometimes I'm like, okay, am I missing something? Why is this line coming down? So I'm still digging into it. But this game for our Packers futures fulfilled my obligation to mention it. They went out, they get the two seed, and getting a buy in this loaded NFC is just enormous. So big game for the Packers who they have their flaws. So the fewer games they can play in a really deep NFC, the better. I think the Packers get it done. You're getting them cheap here. Yeah, I think if, if there's uh, if that line is going in favor of the Bears, it's probably because uh, it's one of those spots where you have a, a team that's been bad versus a spread uh, versus in the Bears versus a team that's been good in, against the spread. And, and sharps are usually on the uh, on the other side in those games, so that's probably why. Um, but I, this is not re- this is a stay away for me. It's not my style because I do think it's probably Packers or nothing here. Uh, Rodgers has been really good at Lambeau as well. Uh, he is. Uh, 63% ATS in his, against the spread in his career uh, at Lambeau. He's also 65% coming off an against the spread loss, uh, which luckily I bet the Redskins as my two-pointer two point last week. The Packers didn't look all that impressive against the Redskins, so who knows, but it's more of a stay away uh, for me. Let's move on. Next game, 10-3 and three New England at 1-12 Cincinnati. Sweet spot game over under 40.5, 85% of the bets. 80% of the money on New England and 63% of the bets, 50% of the money on the over. This is the easiest pass for me of the week. Look, I was on the Pats last week and they got robbed, but I don't know if they necessarily deserve to cover. You know, I mean, maybe they could have won the game. They had some potentially two touchdowns taken off the board with, and with that offense that hurts. But, you know, there's still, there's still issues with this team, which showed up last week, but we've been over n- numerous times. How great, Brady and Belichick are in every scenario against the spread, but especially off of a loss. They're playing an inferior team here going on the road. They don't really have flat spots. You know, this is a team that still needs to win. Um, The division is up in question. Home field is up in question. So they're, I mean, they're desperate for a win here. They're even, I mean, they're illegally taping the Bengals. I mean, if you need to, Spygate too. So, but look, do I want to back, do I want to lay 10 with this offense right now on the road? No. But do I want to get in their way with the Bengals? No. I I mean, just it's such an easy pass for me. Yeah. Like it's, it's gotta be, I think Bengals are nothing here. Like I I don't, I I don't think you can back the pads here, but. uh, I agree. If If you made me bet it, I might take the 10. But it would, you would have to drag me kicking and screaming to the window to bet this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and last up, we have a game you touched on a little bit, but uh, no official pick. So 9-4 Minnesota at 5-8. and eight. Chargers, Chargers, underdogs by 2.5 points. The total's at 44.5. 88% of the public backing the Chargers, but only 81% of the money is on them. So a little bit of a discrepancy there. And... 91% of bets coming in on the over, but only 70% of the money. I, I do think that's probably the better play there just straight up. Uh, but I, I do like your, your teaser call with the Chargers. If Green Bay wins at one, pretty much all the divisions are out of reach. You know, the divisions that are, are meaningful in the NFC besides the NFC East. Um, so that means Minnesota, huge game for them. 
But yeah. if they lose and then the Rams lose, it's not as big. But that's if you're a Rams or Vikings fan, you're watching both these games at the same time. They're both late afternoon slots because that's who's going to be competing for this last wild card spot in the NFC. Um, you know, this Vikings defense, it has some holes on the outside, mainly Xavier Rhodes, who we've talked about many times. But I think the Chargers are just – they're a lot better than their record indicates because that defense is now healthy. You have Derwin James back. They, they were playing earlier without Ingram and Bosa completely healthy at the same time. So this defense is a lot better than it was, like I said before. Rivers is a dog, usually successful, and especially if you could tease him for two and a half, up to eight and a half. I think that's the way to go here. I think this is a really competitive game. Your classic – look, the Chargers had their blowout last week. This is your classic Rivers spot. Vikings up, I'll say, four. Minute to go, Rivers with the ball at the 20, trying to go 80 yards with no timeouts. Yeah, throw, throw, lost the ball, somehow overthrows tall-ass Mike Williams right into the hands of Xavier Rhodes, who makes his first good play of the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so that does it for the best of the rest. Uh, before we get out of here, let's do our Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. All right, getting getting late in the year here. Uh, so, congrats to you if you are still alive in your. Survivor are you still alive? Pool? I think I've been eliminated five times. Yeah, I think you have. Alive. I think I am alive. I think I went with Green Bay last week, right? So yeah, they, yeah, they're, they they won somehow, barely. They didn't cover, uh, which was also good for me. And now we're in week fifteen. I've used Seattle, Houston, Dallas, Chargers, Eagles, Pats, Bills, Vikings, Niners, Ravens, Raiders, Browns. Chiefs and Green Bay. So the pickings are getting slim here. Can't use the Ravens uh, big against the Jets. <sighs> Already used and, and don't feel great about the Niners anyway in, in this letdown spot. You're going to go with the G, man? Oh, you can't go with the G, man. You can't. You can't. Like, I mean, That's I, I get it. I get it. Use the Giants out there. Don't listen to my survivor advice this year, but I would go. <laughs> yeah, I just. I don't know like, who else you can go I get with. Them. It. I get it. Like, there's, there's value on the spread. You're right. But I still feel like, I, I think I said this before on one of the survivor things with like the, the Colts Dolphins. Like, these, these things can go wrong. I think I feel better, and this is a. You don't trust Jimmy too. G at home against the Falcons. I know you I don't. don't I don't. I think I gotta go Saints. I gotta go Saints here. I think I feel better about the Colts because the Saints are injured too, but the Colts have nobody uh, at receiver. They just signed Dontrell Inman for the second straight year, and uh, they got Ashton Doolin and, and and Cardinals reject Chad Williams, who couldn't even make this Demir Bird littered roster. So I feel good about the Saints avenging their. Uh, their Super Bowl, uh, excuse me, Superdome defeat last week to the Niners. I feel better about them than I feel about the Niners. I think it's a letdown spot for them more so. So That's how bad the injuries are this week, by the way. We've mentioned Arizona Cardinal cast-offs multiple times. And that does it for another episode of the Action Network podcast. Be sure to stay tuned into the channel. Stucky and Colin Wilson will be coming through with a couple of college football shows, and we'll be back. Uh, Friedman Corner and I next Wednesday with another Fantasy Flex for the Championship Week. Uh, and then Stuck and I will be back next Thursday with the Week 16 edition of this pod. You can follow Stuck on Twitter at Stucky2 and myself at Chris Raybon. And our handles are the same on the Action Network app, which you should definitely go download to track all your bets, see real-time odds and uh, win probabilities. Uh, great app. Download it if you haven't already. Good luck this week. Let's get this money. Go Pack Go. Go Ravens.
We're finished talking. 